What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in again. Um, yeah, man. Again, that, that Jake Paul fight. I don't know, man. I expected more from Nate. I guess that's my fault for expecting more or because he was hurt. But make sure you listen to the whole episode to get my full thoughts on it. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, Punch the Mouth Official, and I guess now on X, official underscore P-I-T-M. Peace, guys. Later. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 130 of the Punch in the Mouth podcast. I'm Adrian. Um, what can I say here, man? Like, all you guys know I'm a big Nick and Nate fan, but, like, what can you say? There, there are reports that he was hurt going into the fight, but I'm like, dude, if you're hurt, why are we fighting? I mean, I get it. Like, it's on brand that... He, you fight anybody anywhere. You don't have to explain that to anybody. But if you're hurt, why are we fighting? He didn't need the money. I'll tell you that much. And people saying that he took a dive. Stop. He didn't take a dive. Again, round. I did say if I didn't say it on here, I did say it to people around me that I wouldn't be surprised if Nate got knocked down, which he did in round five. That that didn't surprise me at all. What surprised me is that he didn't punch back earlier in the round and that's why people say oh it was bot it was not what i think happened was i think the weight affected him more than what i at least wanted to believe it would and um also that Jake Paul's much bigger than him and if you noticed when nate rushed him he would clinch him a lot and like people are saying dan hardy said earlier today i think the mma fight would be much more competitive than what people think I did, I have to disagree with Dan, and I understand Dan's probably much more qualified to talk about it than I am. But if you look at Nate's strategy for the fight, he um he kept rushing him. He called it the Mexican style, like where they rush them. And uh, of course, we all know that the Diaz brush footwork isn't that great. Where all they do is march forward, and Jake Paul was dancing around him. Like, none of that was surprising to me. Again, what surprised me was the fact that Nate would not throw punches. That is what surprised me. Again, he lost the first three rounds. He came back in the fourth. He got knocked down in the fifth. Going into the tenth round, I had this fight even. Because I gave Nate six rounds. Six through nine. That's five rounds. That's what I gave. I gave it to Nate. So, yes. He won more rounds than Jake, but you have to remember Jake, in my opinion, right? Jake got the knockdown, so that automatically makes the round a 10-8 round in boxing. And then, like, so he, in my opinion, he could have won the fight. Again, it wouldn't have mattered because in the official scorecards, they had it like 98-91 or 99-91 and then 98-92 for the rest of them. That must mean they gave at least Nate four of those rounds. Because you have to remember the 10-8 round and the either 4 or 3. 
Because if Jake would have smoked him all 10 rounds, it would be 100 to 90. But I had it even going into the 10th, and then Nate just looked like he gave up, honestly. Because he started clowning around, and he went for the guillotine choke. And that's the other thing. If they were to fight in MMA, and he gets that clinch on him, yes, Jake's a lot bigger, but did you see how easily he got the guillotine choke on him? Jake said, well, if it was MMA, I would have slammed him. I'm like, yeah, you have wrestling, but... It doesn't matter if you train MMA for six months, you're never going to get on his level. And Dan Hardy says, well, Nate's not a big kicker. He kicked against Tony. They weren't pretty, but he did kick against Tony. Don't tell me he didn't. He kicked against Tony. You know? So, we shall see. Again, Alan Sanchez, I told you guys that guy, that guy was good. I only knew about him because... Hold on. I only knew about him because... I heard Nate mention his name in the post fight for the Conor McGregor fight. And then there's the other thing. Again, I said I think I already said this, but Nate said that he went into this Jake Paul fight hurt. Why fight? If you're going to do something like that, why fight? Like I said before, when Nick and Nate are on and they try and like they're the dudes they say they are, that is all true. But then, for example, when Nick fought Robbie, he shouldn't have been fighting it, but they say it's true. If he had that neck injury, he shouldn't have been fighting. Why were you fighting? Did you need the money? I know Nate didn't need the money, but they have this persona to keep up that, oh, we'll fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. It doesn't matter the circumstances, which is fine. It's fine, but it's only going to get you so far, you know? But again, I'm a ride or die. Like my cousin says, he has a very complicated relationship with the Dodgers. I have a very complicated relationship with the Diaz brothers. I will always support them. They will always be my favorite fighters. So there's that. Corey Sanhagen versus uh, Rob Bob. So I heard Dana left during the fourth round. Well, that is never good. Because this fight was tapped to be a title eliminator. Again, it was originally uh, supposed to get, be against Umar. But Umar got hurt with the shoulder injury. And rather wait, Corey Sanhagen just said, I'll, I'll fight Rob at catchweight. And like I still stand by my statement that when the Rob Bond that showed up to fight Adrian Yanez is on, he could beat anybody. Because that guy is awesome. And apparently, we're going to look into it, but Corey Sanhagen apparently tore his tricep in the first round. So he's going to be off for a while. And just so you guys know, it's Monday today. We're going to look at the rankings, but they're not updated. So I'll look into them on the second show. And again, I know I'm lagging in on the UFC 291 video, but it's gonna come out. And we're gonna I'm gonna rewatch the Jake Paul fight and score it again because again that's me scoring it. What I told you that I gave Jake the first three rounds, the fifth round, and then I gave Nate the fourth round. And then round six through nine, and then Jake round ten. That's me just watching it live. I'm going to go back and watch it again. And maybe they stay the same. Maybe it's different. We'll see. But yeah. So I te so now before we read that Corey Sanhagen article. It's over. Okay. Tatiana Suarez. She's next. Carlos Barza is pregnant. Rose Namajunas is fighting at flyweight. She's next. If I was her. If I was her. This is what I would do. I would hound the UFC. Because. She had barely had any hurt. She barely, I think she barely got hit at all in that fight. If she's not too hurt, if I was her, I would go back to camp 
until the UFC. I'm the backup fighter for the title fight in two weeks. That's what I would do. I'm not in her position, right? But that's what I would do. Because then that puts in their mind, like, okay, this chick's ready. And I'm going to tell you something. Amanda Lemos could knock her out, but I think her wrestling is too good. She's next, man. She's next. And if she could stay injury-free, she could be double champion. And it could be more impressive than what Amanda did. The reason I say it's more impressive is because 125 and 115, they've always been the most competitive female divisions. Because, let's be honest, it was easy for Amanda to be champ-champ because she technically didn't have to worry about 135. After Chris left, there was nobody in that division. Remain the randomly ran away from her cyborg let's be honest she ran away from her um yeah <laughs> i still remember that post oh i feel great yeah so chris cyborg is next you know my hat hurts a little bit i'll never forget that interview that was a great interview and it was memorable because a lot of people weren't happy with what jermaine was doing during that holly home fight so tatiana's next let me look at the rankings. Ow, sorry about that. I do apologize about that. We're also going to talk about Nick's reaction to the fight. Um, yeah. So above Corey is Henry, Sean O'Malley, and Marab. So Sean is going to fight in two weeks against Aljamain Sterling. Now, where the, sorry about that. Where this gets interesting is the fact that um, Aljo has said that if I beat Sean, I'm going to move up. And again, I just told you guys that, um, in fact, let's read it right now. Corey Sanghagen's first round torn tricep led to the UFC natural strategy requires surgery. Corey Sanghagen might wind up looking back at UFC on ESPN 50 as one of the most polarizing moments of his MMA career. On one hand, Sanghagen picked up a crucial win in the Bantamweight division with an utterly dominant unanimous decision against Rob Font. The fight was the main event, and Sanhagen called for a title shot afterwards. This all seemed to be good things, but Sanhagen's 25-minute win, which was marked by nearly 20 minutes of control time and some of the paltriest combined striking numbers in UFC history, was deterred by many critics. And UFC President Dana White reportedly walked out of the arena in the middle of the fight rather than stay until the end. And if that wasn't enough, now Sanhagen will have to put surgery and rehab next on his plate instead of thinking about a title, which champion Aljamain Sterling has on the line later this month against Sean O'Malley. Sanhagen posted on Instagram on Monday said he tore his tricep early in the fight and that led to his wrestling heavy strategy. Fully torn tricep in round one, Sanhagen posted, wasn't able to punch or elbow with that arm without pain and feeling like shit did what i had to do to win that night surgery this week back soon peace love you and then henry said that okay him and marab for the title like eliminator but like i said earlier there are rumors that if Algermain wins or even if he loses that this is probably his last fight at bantamweight but we shall see man we shall see i can't wait i really can't wait like it's gonna be awesome now if aljo wins and it is his last fight like that puts the ufc like let's check out what they could do let me go back to the rankings 
Well, Corey Sanhagen's out for the moment. If Sean loses, they won't give him a title shot. So you would do Henry and Marab, right? I mean, because Marab's beat Peter Yan. Marlon Vera was supposed to fight um, Henry. Is Marlon Vera still fighting in two weeks? Oh, yeah, he's fighting Pedro Munoz. Cody Garbrandt is going to fight Mario Batista. Chris Weidman is fighting Brad Tavares. This is all happening in two weeks. Jeff Neal's fighting Ian Gary. That's a crazy fight right there. Zhang Wei Li's fighting Amanda Lemus. Again, we're going to look at these rankings. So, yeah, going back to the Bantamweight division. If Aljo were to leave, I guess you would do Marab and Henry. Because even though Henry lost to Aljamain, like, from what I heard, because I still haven't seen the fight, I heard it was still pretty competitive. And that was his fight back in, like, three years. That shows you the maniac um, Henry Cejudo is, man. Like, that guy is the man. If after three years he can be competitive with the champion, you know what I mean? So, keep an eye out for that UFC 292 card. It'll be probably very interesting if Aljo wins. And Aljo has every capability of winning. Like, that guy's the best right now. How old is he? We're going to check how old Aljo is. He's 34. I'd say him and Izzy have two good years left in them before they start retiring. So, I like 36. That's what I've noticed with most UFC fighters. Like, 36 is probably their last good year. So, two to three years. Unless you're Yoel Romero, like, 42, you start looking like you're 36. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. Or isn't Yoel, like, 45? I don't know, let, let's check your Yoel's age. Yoel's 46. So, it caught up to him about 10 years later, bro. So, we shall see what happens. I mean, now, that Aljo fight's really intriguing to me in that sense. Not the fight itself, but, like, what the outcome means for the rest of the division. But, that's in two weeks. Next week, you got Vicente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Of course, we'll talk about that the next episode. Now, I want to talk about this. PFL president and mastermind Ray Sefo aims for even more growth ahead of 2023 PFL playoffs. That's not what I wanted to read. Dude, let me see. I don't believe this report at all. This is this is more of a... What is it called? Uh, like a community board thing. It says, Ray Sefo confirms PFL Bellator merger report. Uh, whatever. This is like a community, like those community boards where people comment. Nah, that's not true. Let's read this one. Josh Thompson. I don't, of course he would object, but let's read what it says. Josh Thompson objects to PFL buying Bellator. The Todd Atkins show reported that PFL was generally close to concluding a deal to purchase Bellator, which revived discussion of a possible change of ownership. Josh Nash, a bloody elbow, remarked that the news was ultimately untimely, but did clarify that PFL is one of the several prospective, prospective bidders. Nash also stated that rather than selling the company outright, Bellator's owners Paramount Global are looking for a partner to purchase a portion of the company. Okay, now I have a question. If it's that, if it's that what they're saying... Does that mean it's going to be a different, because again, going back to the news I got a few weeks back, that um, Patchy Minx and Sergio signed a contract extensions. So does that mean that they're going to be two separate entities? It goes on to say, Josh Thompson, a former Strikeforce champion 
who is now a Bellator commentator, discussed the PFL's potential takeover in a recent episode of the Weighing In podcast. Thompson began by praising the caliber of the current roster. Then Thompson shared some insider knowledge from individuals working under the PFL umbrella, as well as stating the need for roster reduction in Bellator. I mean, why is it that you can't pay the guys? Because I'm telling you, if that's the problem, again, this is the same problem Viacom had with Strikeforce. I don't think they understood the level of talent they had in Strikeforce with Nick Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, Gilbert Melendez. I think they understood it once Jake Shields went to the UFC and right off the bat they gave him a title shot against GSP. I don't think it was off the bat now. I think he fought once. Let me make sure. I think he fought once and he won. He fought Martin Kamen at UFC 121 and then he ended up fighting GSP. But yeah, he lost to uh, Martin Kamen. I mean, he beat Martin Kamen and then he fought GSP. So that's when I believe Viacom realized with it. And I just think, again, <laughs> this is like, we all get mad for fighters' pay, but how come the only one ever to be able to maintain the payment of fighters is the UFC? One, it could be because they sold their letters that they get, they can put ticket prices at a range that fans will buy them. I mean, look at the last O2 event. Like, nobody wanted to go to that, but I heard it still did pretty good. But yeah, man. Now, let's... Oh, no, hold on, hold on. There are a couple of things that I want people to understand. This roster, and I came from Strike Force roster. This roster at Bellator has better fighters than the Strike Force roster when it closed. Disagree. <laughs> Disagree wholeheartedly, bro, because you're going to tell me, well, they have Chris Cyborg right now. You're going to tell me the heavyweight division is better. You had Fedor. Well, you you had Fedor when he was younger. You had an unknown Daniel Cormier. You had Bigfoot Silva, even though I believe he was on all the steroids in the world. He was doing something. You had Josh Barnett. He was still competitive. Even though I know they have Josh now, but I think Josh is retired. But to tell me that, you're going to tell me that a prime giver Melendez could not beat most of these guys. You're going to tell me. And again, a lot of it is because this guy was unknown, but Jorge Masvidal, come on. You're going to tell me Bellator has a better roster now than what Strikeforce did? Come on, bro. I have a hard time believing that. It goes on to say, I never think it's good when you close up a promotion. There's, what, 250 to 300 fighters on the Bellator roster? PFL, if PFL was to buy it, they would literally take 20 fighters and the rest, they would be cut. I had a conversation with people that work for the PFL. They said, yeah, we only want about 20 fighters. I guarantee you I can tell you the name of those 20 fighters. They're going to want Usman, AJ, the Pitbull Brothers. Vadim Nenkov. Basically, okay, let's say all the champions, which would be who? Chris Cyborg, Liz Carmouche, uh, Sergio, Patricky, Patricio. Who's the lightweight champ? Why am I blanking out? The lightweight champ is Usman. Usman? Okay, let me start all over with the champions. So, starting with the women, you're going to want Liz. You're going to want um Chris. You're going to want Sergio. You're going to want Patricio. You're going to want Usman. You're going to want uh, Amosov. You're going to want Eblin. 
Vadim Nenko, Bader, that's nine. Then they'll take Patriki, 10. You're going to take Ketzingano, 11. AJ, 12. Maybe Brett Primus, 13. Uh, MVP is a free agent, so he's out. I don't know if they take Douglas Lima, but let's say they take Douglas Lima, 14. You're going to take Logan Storley, 15. You'll take Brennan Ward because... Even if you don't even think if Brennan is a, a, a high-level fighter, he's still entertaining. You're going to take um, Anatoly. I want to say his name is Anatoly, the Fedor, the Fedor fighter. That's 16. You're going to take Danny Sabatello, 17. You're going to take Patchy Minks, 18. You're going to take Rafian Stotts, 19. And then who else would they take that I'm not set, that I haven't said? And maybe, even though I don't think he's that good, Valentin Moldovsky there. 20 and if they take somebody that i didn't say i do apologize but those are the 20 names that come to my mind so the nine champions patriki would be 10 aj 11 kat zingano 12 valentin moldovsky 13 anatoly tokov 14 baby and edward look okay instead of valentin moldovsky okay we're gonna take up valentin moldovsky so the, the nine champions aj um anatoly tokov kat zingano Fabian Edwards, and then there's Gay, there's Gegard Musasi too, but I don't know if they'll take him at this point because he's old and he hasn't looked that great in his last few fights. But then again, he's fighting killers. You're gonna tell me Fabian Edwards isn't a killer? And then it goes on. The way I'm looking at it, I say if you're an investment group, as much as I've heard, it's unlikely the PFL will end up getting it. The other ones, if you're an investment group, listen to the, this, the this group. The more of them you have potential to become champion in any organization than the Strike Force roster. You have a pretty deep roster. The only thing Bellator is lacking right now is instead of having 14 to 18 shows a year, they need a minimum of 24 a year to a month guaranteed to break into new markets. That is true because how are you going to build stars? I don't see a positive. I'm just being honest. I don't see a positive for the fighters and athletes if PFL was to buy it. I just don't see one because they made it clear that they're keeping their format. I mean, I get it, but... And it goes, all those fighters that come over, they can't have 250 or 300 fighters. They're going to cut. I would say at least 80% of those fighters. It's a shitty situation, Thompson said. Okay. So, yeah, man. I mean, I believe him in the sense because not everybody, when UFC bought Strikeforce, not everybody went over. Most of them did, not everybody. But you have to see what's going to happen, right? Like, does more fighters mean more shows for PFL? And then that apparently they're moving away from ESPN. If that turns out to be true, that's going to hurt PFL in the long run. Because, I mean, where are you going to go to Amazon? I mean, one championship is already over there. And let's be honest, bro, I didn't know there was a one championship fight this week. And I follow everything, and I don't know if they're just having, like, I want to know what these return numbers on these events are, because I didn't know until the day of. So we should, we'll see what happens. Um, Just a few more things, and then we're out of here. So the UFC, either they've already announced it, or they're moving in the direction of Sean Strickland versus Israel Adesanya for UFC 293. Sorry about that. Sean Strickland versus Israel Adesanya will headline UFC 293 in Sydney. Only a few small depth 
details i was gonna say deftones details left to work out before being announced adesanya the reigning middleweight champion is coming off a thrilling victory over alex Pereira at ufc 287 he reclaimed his title the last style bender holds an impressive record of 24 wins and two losses in his career Strickland is on a roll with a 2-5 win streak in his latest outing at UFC ESPN 48, he secured a TKO victory against Abbas Magomedov with a remarkable record of 27 wins and only 5 losses. The 32-year-old remains hungry to prove himself against the middleweight champion. So if that turns out to be true, it's because Drickis, something happened that he couldn't take the fight. Uh, that sucks because I was really looking forward to Drickis versus Israel. But we only got one last thing left. Uh, let's see how we're doing on time. I know we must be doing good because we've been going for a while yeah this is gonna be the last thing and then we're out of here guys i promise nick diaz calls to fight jake paul or logan paul after nate diaz lost i'm a lot better than both of these guys dude but i feel like when he said that he was also talking about nate i don't think he was talking about jake i mean about about logan because then after that conversation he's got an older brother too nick diaz wants revenge for the diaz army DS40 was in attendance Saturday at the American Airlines in Dallas, American Airlines Center in Dallas, to support his younger brother, Nate Diaz, who made his professional boxing debut in a 10-round unanimous decision loss to Jake Paul. After the bout, Diaz hopped onto the mic and to make it clear that he wants a piece of the Paul brothers, whether it's Jake or his older brother, Logan. I think Nate needed a little more work, Diaz said of his younger brother on the pay-per-view broadcast. But let's cut to the chase. I'm a lot better than both of these guys that are out here. I love to entertain the idea of moving on it and on whoever they've got for me. So if they want to do it, round two against Jake. If Nate ain't going to do it, I'll take it. If Jake, Jake's got an older brother too. So don't forget about the one and only. And then it goes Diaz last competed professionally in 2021 when he suffered a third round TKO loss to Robbie Lawler at UFC 266. The bout was Diaz's first since January of 2015 and extended a four-fight winless streak for the Stockton native dating back to his infamous 2012 loss to Carlos Condit for the UFC in a welterweight title. Diaz also dropped a 2013 unanimous decision to George St. Pierre for the undisputed UFC welterweight belt over that span. That was a good... That fight was weird. And it goes on to say, I like to get a good look at what's going on because... I don't know what's happening, but I like to keep my options open, Diaz said. I like to entertain something in the near future. We could talk about what that is. Could be a possibility. Either way, yeah. One of those two or maybe something else. Who knows? I've got a lot going on right now, but we can sort that out. And it goes on to say, of course it motivates me. That's why I try to stay away from the fight game in general. Because I'm all the way in, Diaz continued. It's all or nothing. I'm never one foot in, one foot out. But me... Coming here today, I just feel like I have a little bit of opportunity to open up a little bit of a window. If that's what it is, then let it be known. I'm still motivated as ever. I'm a harder worker and better fighter than anybody out there, out here, in this right now, in this day and age. I mean, he's 40. He said he was 20, but my boy's 40. I mean, he looked good. He looks in better shape now than what he did when he fought Robbie. Apparently, he was dealing with a neck issue. But I don't know, man, but... Did you guys want to see that? Would you guys want to see Nick fight one of the Paul brothers? Again, the other thing that helps Nick is that he's fought at middleweight before. This was Nate's very first time fighting that heavy. I wish I'll see, but that's all I got for you guys. Make sure you follow me, Punch the Mouth Official, on Instagram. 
and I guess now on X, I can't say Twitter anymore, I guess now it's X. See you guys later, guys. Peace.